Hi listeners, welcome to Wholesome Kids Happy Living, a podcast aimed at inspiring a generation of happy and healthy kids, physically, emotionally and socially. Hi listeners, welcome to today's podcast. We are joined by occupational therapist Ashley Blake. She works across both public and private areas in child development as an OT and she's here today to talk to us about a very hot topic and one that resonates probably with many of our parent listeners out there Um, and that is giving us some tips to help our fussy eaters. So she's going to talk a bit bit about what makes a fussy eater a fussy eater. Um, She's going to talk about what's typical for kids and what's considered normal. Um, She's going to give us some really key tips to help kids around mealtimes and make it a positive experience. Um, And then also talk about how we can get help for our kids um, if we think that there's, it's become a little bit more than just fussy eating um, and something that we're concerned about or that our kids have become really stressed around mealtime. She's going to give us um, some resources and some information of where to go should we need help. So welcome, Ashley. Thank you for um, having me. That's okay. So before we jump into today, um, I'll, as I do with all my guests on the podcast, I'll get you to just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do from day to day. Um, I know that many of our listeners have probably heard of an occupational therapist, but may not be quite sure what they actually do. So you can just give us a little insight into what your day to day looks like. Okay, so as an occupational therapist, I guess working with children, um, we're really looking at how do we help children uh, participate and be able to do the things in everyday life that they need to do or are expected to do that is like appropriate sort of for their age. Um, and so that can be things like, you know, um, being sort of more independent with their self-care, so mealtimes is one, mm-hmm. um, dressing um, and toileting or, you know, supporting them with their fine motor skills and upper limb development, um, helping with their play and social skills. So it's sort of any sort of area, um, any sort of barrier that comes up that um, impacts their participation, we try and look at how to um, to break those barriers down, I guess. Yeah, yeah so you're trying to get... Form. Yeah, so, so you're trying to get kids to be able to do more of what they need yeah, to do in yes. day-to-day. Yes. Um, I know that my very naive understanding of an occupational therapist when I first started my psychology training was um, wheeze and poos. Yes. But now I, now I know that they do much more much, than yes, that. That's true. That is one one facet and we are very comfortable to talk yeah. about wheeze and poos, but we're also very comfortable to talk about other things as well. And do you hear that a lot? Yes. Um, that yes. your job is to deal with wee and poo? Yes. Look, uh, it's, it's probably better than, um, you know, we get, often get asked, um, you know, do you just help sort of find jobs because occupation makes sense. <laughs> but, you know, kids don't have, well, you know, they've got other jobs in their life. And yeah. one of their big jobs are to be a friend and to be a learner and to be a player and to be, you know, um, a child. So that's kind of we want to make sure we can you know, help children be able to do that. And in your day-to-day work, are you working with a typical age range or are you seeing kids all the way up to adolescence? Um, in, yeah, in my day-to-day job, I'm, I'm lucky because I get to work across kind of both public and private, but in both of those fields, there's different sort of ages I work with. So I work, yeah, with, with babies up to school age in one job and then my other job I work sort of, yeah, any any age of a child and yeah. any disability kind of thing. Awesome. Um, yeah. Cool. So no two days are the same then? No. And um, yeah, no two children are the same. Yeah, good. (laughs) So it keeps us on our toes, that's for sure. But that's the best part of it. Nice one. Yeah. Well, welcome to the podcast. And thank you so much for coming on because I know that 
in my psychology work, um, eating comes up a lot and it's not my area. Um, as a neuropsych, I tend to steer away from meal times. It's hasn't been my thing. Um, but I know that from talking to my brothers and sisters who have Mm. kids, talking to friends who have kids and then, um, coming up quite a bit when I'm working with parents, um, around behavioral issues, eating and meal times is a common stress for parents. And it is often because we think about what a child can control. They can control what they put in their mouth, what yeah. goes um, out, out of them, so their toileting and, and their sleep. They're the three kind of big areas that a child can control. And, um, yeah, and so that's often where a lot of parents do find a lot of stress. Yeah. So in your um, day-to-day, you're seeing um, meal time and fussy eating as yes. a common referral? Abs- yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and... and- particularly because the, some of the ages I'm seeing, you know, the younger, you know, toddlers and, and that's really often when the fussy eating comes about. Um, and, and then obviously when they get older, that's when sometimes it can get um, can get better or sometimes it can become more difficult and that's, yeah, definitely an area. Um, and, and particularly things like, you know, um, they've got a really restricted range so that they've got not many foods in their range or they might be dropping foods. They're not really interested in trying new foods. They're mm-hmm. probably the big ones yeah. in regards to, or, you know, they're not able to use their utensils yeah. like their spoon or their fork. So they're probably our kind of big areas um, or referrals for OT in regards to mealtimes. Yes. Yeah, or they can't sit at the table. I mean, there's lots of it. Again, we look at barriers to mealtimes. So whatever barrier might be, we look at try to, how, to, how to support them to break that down. So I guess but they're probably the big ones that we get. Yeah, and yeah. with all these referrals coming in, do you have a typical child that would be considered or categorized as a fussy eater? Is there a, a certain type of child that you're seeing commonly or is it open to any single child? Yeah, yeah, look, um, generally, you know, any child can be can be a fussy eater. Um, usually it's, it's a typical part of normal, yeah, of t- typical part of development and, and often we always hear families say it was around 18 months, two years of age that, um, ch- you know, their child became fussy and that, that makes sense because around 18 months to two years is when children develop that sense of independence and they like to test, test the world, <laughs> test the boundaries. So um, they are their own independent self. So I think that that comes about and that's natural for that to happen. So, you know, it's natural for them to have particular preference for tastes and shapes and colors and to voice those preferences and you know refuse new foods or to vary day to day um they might eat well one day and not the next i think you think about yourself too we're a bit like that as well so um i guess it's still quite common um for fussy eating but i guess um there are probably a a small cohort of kids who probably see that are more likely to be fussier probably your kids are a bit more of that sensitive nature Mm -hmm. um they're a bit more. They're that temperament of being a bit more cautious um, because they're the kids that, um, that that pick up things maybe other kids won't. So they're yeah. they're the, the attention kids, to detail. Their attention to detail. So they're the kids that wouldn't miss that there's a bit of burnt mark on their yeah. <laughs> on their sausage or something like that. So that that they couldn't look past that. So that bothers them. Yeah. Where um you know other children may not even notice that. So I guess those type of kids sometimes can can tend to be a bit more fussy just because they've got particular preferences yeah. um, and they notice things a bit more. So Sounds like my husband, who yeah. <laughs> um, I think you would definitely describe as a, a fussy eater as a child and then a fussy adult when yeah. I met him yeah. um, at 18. And, yes. um, yeah, he picked up hidden spinach in tomato sauces yeah. and yeah. Um, grated zucchini. Yeah. So he wasn't missing anything. No. Or when I tried to tell him pumpkin was sweet potato. Oh, no. <laughs> 
know. We're going to have to talk about this. Yeah. No tricking, but no. So no tricking your your, uh, adult children or your children's children? Uh, Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. We we will get more into that. Yeah. I'll add that one to our list. Okay. So fussy eating is a normal part of development. It is going to happen for many kids. Yes. Um, Yes. And as you said, just like us as adults, one day we might feel more yeah, like eating something. Exactly. Kids have an appetite and then yep. they might crave certain things over others. Yeah. Um, yep. And so you would see that as a typical part of development. Yes. Is there a range where you're like, okay, this is kind of mild, fussy eating up to, yep. okay, no, this is quite severe? Yeah, so there's definitely a range. So I think um, – when you might be maybe getting a little bit more concerned is um, is when children, there's probably a few things to look out for. Like if a child has maybe less than sort of 20 foods on their um, in their diet, mm-hmm. um, you know, that might be considered, yeah, it is considered much more, um, probably more, more to probably to be concerned about um, because it, they're, obviously their range is quite restricted there. So it's probably a time they'll need some support for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And also if they're, if they're refusing entire um categories so like if we think about categories being like your food um nutrition groups like um you've got your carbs you've got your um fruits veg meat so if they're kind of missing one or two of those um entire categories then then that's probably something something to think about as we you know might need a bit more support how we can um yeah help our children to overcome these difficulties so if you've got a child that every day is eating chicken nuggets white potato yes and that's it then you'd be very concerned yeah Yeah. absolutely or even if you're not getting any vegetables at all yeah absolutely that's one and and sometimes sometimes families can get vegetables in through um, smoothies for example and so it's really great that they're getting um, vegetables in but they may not be eating any vegetables in whole form so whilst they're getting vegetables in it's um for nutrition that's really good but i guess something to keep in mind is you know um will they have smoothies you know for the for rest some, of their you life know, like how, how can we kind of support them to to um but i think you know that might just be a mild example but it's like you said before if there's anything in particular definitely missing i'd, I'd be thinking about yeah getting some support yeah and so I guess we're thinking about eating like we do with all other skills is that it's a skill that you want to become independent across the lifespan. Yes. So we're not just thinking, okay, as a two-year-old, I just want my kids to eat veggies. Yes. It's thinking, okay, well, this two-year-old is going to be a 10-year-old and then a 15-year-old yep. and then going out into the world on their own and cooking and making their own choices around food. Yes. So you're really trying to set them up yeah. for the rest of their life. So set up, a, and I guess that probably leads into one of the big things is always just setting up setting them up for a positive association with food that mm-hmm. there's, you know, food is just food at the end of, end of the day and just, just um, yeah, I think that positive mindset of, you know, um, just – and also food is also about social experiences mm. together and, and enjoying your company around, um, you know, company – with food yeah yeah Yeah. you know what I mean so you're kind of enjoying you know being around the dinner table because it's a chance to talk with your family and that kind of thing so taking that pressure off um food which we're probably going into some of those tips but yeah um that's going to be an important part of getting kids to eat it's not just yeah okay I want you to eat this meal it's creating that association it's a memory yeah it is um it's something that you're setting them up Yeah. yeah okay cool and so um it's not it's not one particular child that you're seeing that can be fussy and and you're saying that there is yeah. a range from more milder difficulties mm-hmm. but what i'm hearing i think from before is what you're saying is that it's when it becomes a problem for the family as well so yes. if mum and dad are happy with johnny eating 
um, some broccoli and some carrots at dinner time and he's having some meat, but he's not particularly keen on trying Brussels sprouts and yes. cabbage at yes. this point. Yeah. Um, they're not going to be rushing off to their no. local OT no. to no. Um, get support if it's not a concern for them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So as long as, like I said, you know, as long as they've got a good few foods in each of those food groups, that's a, it's always a good sign that they've got, you know, more than sort of 30 foods, which would be, you know, really ideal. Because I guess what we're, what we're wanting to see is why we say sort of 30, 20 to 30 foods is because it allows you to kind of have, you know, um, a couple of foods one day, a couple of foods that are different the next day. So mm-hmm. you're getting a chance to be able to really rotate those foods around and not get stuck with having the same food every day. And right, I guess that's, okay. the, that's a bit of a, um, a bit of a concern, I guess, is if children are having the same food every day, that there's a chance that they can drop those foods because... Um, it's a term we called food jagging, where yep. if we had spaghetti bolognese every day, um, we were very quickly drop that, um, as much as I love spaghetti yeah. bolognese. But um, it's just like our kids too. That's why it's really important to, to ensure that they've got those sort of 30 foods that allows them a mm. chance to really rotate their foods and not get sick of them. Because then, then they start dropping foods, and that's when you start seeing those restricted diets. So fussy eating, yeah, generally they are the kids that have sort of 30 to 50 foods. And, um, and so I guess it's more so just being careful that you know they're not dropping more than that. That's when it becomes more of a problem. Yeah. And so can you see kids in this area maybe try or, or take on a food, but then you see them kind of restrict over time and then they find a preference? Does that happen? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just like us too. We, you know, I know how, I don't know how many times I've rotated my breakfast <laughs> options because I get sick of them so quickly. Yeah. So children are exactly the same. They really like something. They really like it and want to have it all the time. So I think that's why it's always important just to try and break it up for them mm-hmm. so they can have, you know, that peanut butter and toast one morning but then maybe Vegemite toast on the, the next morning yeah. and so you're kind of rotating it a little bit and yeah. I think it makes sense when I think about you know play in terms of development you're not getting kids to do the exact same craft no. activity every single day no. because no. that grows tired it's going yeah. to restrict their development yeah. um they're not broadening their horizons no. it doesn't no. allow them to socialize and whatnot yeah. so it's, it's yeah. similar with food absolutely it's, yeah. it's kind of um yeah just having that variation mm-hmm. and having it as a bit of a novelty and then um, otherwise it wears off very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I can hear our listeners all nodding along and going, yep, yep, this sounds familiar for my child. Definitely been there before. Um, we've had the tantrums around the, the, the dinner table with not yes. wanting to try food. So I think how about we jump into some top tips for parents with fussy eaters um, yeah. Yeah. and just more in a general sense and things yeah. that parents can mm-hmm. do day to day to help their kids yeah. encourage them make meal times fun make yes. um, meal yes. times like you said a positive experience yes. um, how our parents might be going out and doing that yeah because um, it doesn't sound like you need to make drastic changes and that's no. actually probably to yes. the detriment of the child yes um, but making yes. some small simple changes yeah. exactly um, so I'll throw to you okay so I guess probably out of all the families I work with the number one thing is always keeping in mind um, trying to have sort of no, as minimal pressure, so as little pressure as possible to eat. So mm-hmm. you know, and it's really it's really unfair in a way because you know, you, as you as a parent, you feel this responsibility for your child to grow and to eat, and it's like you know, you just you're just wanting the best for them, and it's coming out of a really good place. But children are so good at picking up just 
incidental pressure. So mm-hmm. you may not even be feeling like you're providing pressure. You know, a lot of the time people think pressure is force feeding and that's the most obvious sign of pressure. But yeah. pressure can also be, you know, coaxing them or bribing them or just sort of staring at them, watching them yeah. eat. Um, so, and, or, you know, sometimes putting a new food on their plate. They perceive, well, my plate is what, I, what you're telling me. I need to eat food off my plate. So if you're putting that food on, you're implying that I need to eat it. So sometimes it's just keeping in mind um, children are really, really quick at pick, picking up any pressure. And, mm. and so some kids... You know, that can make them feel quite stressed. And yeah. I think we've got to always remember stress um, in, in a child um, can can mean that they can lose their appetite yeah. um, because it's just a natural um, thing that happens to us um, and so a natural process. So, And obviously that's counterproductive. You know, if they're losing their appetite because they're stressed, they're not going to want to eat anyway. Yeah. So it's just this vicious cycle that can happen. And if they're feeling sick looking at those foods yeah. that they're expected to eat but they don't want to eat, yeah. then they're associating that sick feeling yes. with these new foods. And that's why it becomes this and, – and this is where from an early age it can become this negative mindset that they have with food mm. from an early age, which um, we obviously want to try and prevent. We want, we want meal times to be a positive experience mm. for them um because you know we want them to be able to and like i said before you know realize that meal times are about yeah spending time with family and there's other goals and celebrations yeah. and food can be a really good experience so i guess but i guess you know a lot of um families probably have nutrition because food is you know we need food for nutrition mm. um and that's definitely a goal area for food but that's probably sometimes very caught up in everyone's minds mm. um, and forgetting about some of those other reasons why we eat yeah. for enjoyment and for socialization. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's probably something to think about is trying to minimize that pressure as much as you can um, and, and make mealtimes just positive and fun together um, so that they want to come and sit up at the table. Mm. Um, so it's not going to be a battle. And I know that's easier said than done, but it's just more so keeping in mind having some really nice positive experiences. Otherwise, yeah, when they get negative around mealtimes, it makes your job even even more harder. difficult. Yeah. And I think when I think back to my childhood and not in that my parents ever wanted it to be a pressure situation around the yep. dinner table. But we often, I think I grew up in a generation of um, you can't leave the table until you finish your meal. Yeah. And so, or there's no dessert unless you finish your dinner. And yeah. so you kind of had that, um, I guess it wasn't overt. It was kind of yeah. um, that pressure, yeah, yeah, incidental yeah. pressure yes. that, okay, I need to make sure I eat everything. But then I wasn't thinking about, well, am I actually hungry anymore? No, and it's not allowing them to kind of have control over what they eat. So mm. usually, you know, the, the idea is they, as a parent, you know, you provide where they eat and when they eat and what your op- what options they have. And then they then, um, their role is around, you know, how much do I eat of that? Yeah. And um, so, yeah. And, and what out of that do I eat? So that's their role. And I think as the problem happens when these, those roles intertwine and mm. um, they're not allowing, they're not feeling that control. And, and yes. Yeah. I think I um, read on a, a mum blogger's Instagram the other day around um, how she doesn't make dessert contingent upon dinner and she actually puts dessert out with dinner love that yeah so I'd never ever thought of that because I always thought dessert comes next and it's excitement but actually you're glorifying yeah yeah food is food this is right from when I said at the start food is just food there's um you know we we don't kind of want to make one food more enticing desirable yeah you know yeah and so that's where yeah if you say it for you you can have you know 
ice cream after after dinner, it's kind of like, well, I have to get through dinner. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that's dinner now. Part. Oh, that's the dreaded part. Now yeah. I hate that broccoli because I have to eat you to get this. <laughs> yeah. You know, just so give me the ice think, cream. Yeah, give me the ice cream. Yeah. And so, look, whilst in the short term it might be an effective strategy, you know, for some of these fussy eaters, I mean, it, it can sometimes work. But again, I guess what you've got to think about: Do you want your child to love broccoli or yeah. not? Do you know? Or do you want your child to? Because I think that's just probably more so. Um, you know, whether you can, yeah, have the bit of ice cream on the table and then yeah. they can choose what they eat. I mean, yeah. So. It is it is definitely easier done than easier said than done, but there are um, methods to go into it into more detail into mm. what that may look like. Yeah, yeah. And so the goal then is it's not for them to love certain foods and not love certain foods. The goal yeah. is to encourage your kids to just try things and give yeah. things a go. Yeah, is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah, I think definitely enabling them to you know be around a variety of food and that's what family meals are really great for because mm. you know you, you every family you have a whole lot of range of foods and and sometimes it, it's really nice to have um set up family meals so you have everything in the middle of the table and you can dish stuff out into the plates yeah, and so right. whilst they may not eat it um they're still getting a chance to kind of dish it out and so they're not expected to eat it they can put it on a separate little plate they don't have to eat it mm. um but it's a chance for them to still feel like they're part of the the family experience and that's yeah. interesting and again not something that i'd thought of because um, i'm one of six kids so yes. mum had everything dished out dished on a out. plate yeah. just to make sure there was enough yep. for everyone yeah um and i think having four brothers if we didn't do that um me and my sister wouldn't get to eat anything yes. because <laughs> the boys would rush in and get all the good stuff first yeah um but that's actually a really nice tip is that if you're putting food out and then you as the child get an opportunity to pick what you put on yeah. your plate and how much of that yeah I, that, I've you never can, thought of that before yeah it's just a, it's just a, and it's also a chance for them to be around food that maybe they don't eat so that they might be fussy so out of that um meal with um you know it might be a roast with some baked potatoes veggies and salad you know they may just go for the roast potato yeah. um, but it's a chance maybe they can put a bit of carrot on their side plate or a bit of meat and you know it's a chance for them to still feel like they're part of the family they've got some but they don't have to eat it but they can you know dad can be like oh this is a nice chili carrot this is a nice yeah. <laughs> crunch crunch it's really yeah. crunchy or you know you can and he, then they can watch other people eating it but again they don't feel they're not feeling the pressure and yeah. you're using positive language, not staring yes. at your child, waiting yes. for them to see whether they're going to try it or not. Yes. Or so, not saying, if you try this, then you'll get this. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's just um, – and I think at the end of the day, you know, you, you always need to make sure that, you know, you're not going to just create a whole family meal. And if they're really fussy and they don't eat any of it, like um, that's not going to probably work. They're yeah. not going to prob- – you know, they're not going to always pick up a food and eat it. So it's always important to have a couple of foods that they actually do like on their plate. Mm. Um, yeah. Cause if, yeah so if, putting out a meal that doesn't include the things they'll eat is only going to cause more anxiety and stress yeah, at a meal time. So if and you say, okay, they only absolutely. eat chicken nuggets and potato. Yes. So tonight we're not putting that. We're not buying yeah. it this week. We're no. not going to have it in the house. And that again, that's again incidental pressure because you've got a plate there and you've got food that they don't eat. That's pressure for them. That they, they, yeah. They, so they're, they're picking up they're on going. that straight away. So I think that's where you always have a couple of foods in their plate because then they're going to be much more likely to come up to the table if they know that they've got something that they like otherwise you can imagine yourself if you're somewhere and I could just imagine a whole lot of seafood is not my, is not my strong point I yeah. don't think I could I would feel a bit stressed so yeah, yeah. but well, I guess so that that's probably the big one mm-hmm. is just keeping in mind try to minimize that pressure yeah. and think about the incidental pressure that you may not be meaning to do but mm-hmm. um children do really pick up on it yeah. um and, and I've really noticed that you know when I work with kids as soon as you take that pressure off like just as simple as saying you don't have to eat 
oh, it's like their barrier goes right back, right down, and it's like they're so much more open. Where yeah. as soon as you imply you have to eat, you'll see that oh, I don't want to eat, no, no, and you can just see the barrier goes right up because yeah. that's their that's their mechanism to. Well, they want control, as you said. Yeah. If that's something yeah. they can control, and yeah. that's being taken away, yeah. Try and tell a two-year-old that they can't do their own seatbelt up. Yes, exactly. And um, watch yes. the meltdown yes. come on. Exactly. So that's just a little thing. Definitely. Actually, it's actually a very big thing that I've, I've seen um, and how it, it really does help by just taking that pressure away completely yeah. um, can be really helpful. And I think even comments that I could think of is like, well, I've spent an hour cooking this yeah. and you're not going to eat it. Yeah. Like that, again, would be adding that pressure and because that you're thinking, yeah, you're, yeah. you're bringing and up usually if, if a child can do something that they would probably they would do it I mean yeah. it's just clear something's stopping them that's something um it's, it's a bit more tricky than that so that's why you might need to try a few other strategies to support them than just eat 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 it's just it's just the forefront of everyone's mind just eat and it's just um using the word even eat doesn't yeah. even work so I wouldn't even use the word eat <laughs> and so yeah. food is a very general term for that encompasses so many things and so when you said before, like there's a reason they're not eating it. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting and something until working with OTs and speeches around mealtimes that I hadn't thought of was different foods have different textures and if you're putting and flavors yeah. and tastes yes. and if you're putting only one kind of yeah. texture yeah. or taste out, that yeah. can be really off-putting for kids as well. Absolutely, yes. So, um, and that's why I think, you know, parents um, are the best um, expert of their, ch- their children and, and that's why you know we'll have to I have to even learn so much from the parent about the child because I don't you know often we don't know them very well at all when we first meet them so um, I guess parents are in a really good position where they know their child so well so I guess I'd always you know advise to really have a good think about what foods are they eating because that's going to tell you so much about their mm. preferences because like I said every child is so different so yeah. if you map out all the foods that they're having you might get a bit of a pattern oh and I can tell you now most of the time it's dry and crunchy foods yeah. <laughs> dry and crunchy foods in my life yeah. um, so trying to think of all the food groups and all the dry crunchy options in those food groups um, to start with so I think what I'm trying to get at is yeah, you try and work out what what is their safe zone, yeah. what's their comf- or comfort zone, I yeah. guess you could say, um, that they have, um, you know, or it might be their, like, bland-coloured foods. Or I had a kid the other day who was like, I actually like green foods. I'm like, you can go. Like, oh, yeah. I don't think I've had a child that I like green foods. So this is great. We have got so many vegetables. Yeah. Um, so um, I think, like... But you don't have green meat, so yeah, no, I don't have green meat. Really I actually did think of that. How can I make green meat? So, um, so I guess that's where knowing what your child likes um, is probably a, a big tip as well. Really taking the time to actually away from your child to map it out will actually save you time in the end. Really think about some of those foods you choose mm-hmm. um, and try and link it to their what I would call yeah, your comfort zone. What, yeah. what, and I know I have a comfort zone too. I'm not particularly fussed on lots of like wet textures yeah. or that. You know, a pear just mm. feels just, you know, it's... <laughs> Maybe you need to go to a meal time yeah, clinic. Or oh, the amount of food that I have added to my repertoire yep. doing feeding therapy is insane it but it worked <laughs> yeah well, that's good I'm glad it, it works I have added so much because it's a whole another way of thinking I guess about food um and 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 I guess we probably can go into maybe how to try a new food yeah and, and like I said that's probably the first place to start is really thinking about what foods your child eats 
Is there a pattern? Okay, now let's think about that pattern. So, you know, if I'm thinking of a new food to introduce, can I introduce the food within that pattern? You know, mm. um, let's think about a, 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 a vegetable that's dry and crunchy. You know, is it a carrot that maybe yeah. we start with? Um, you know, does, does, does my child just like a lot of stick-shaped things? You mm. know, the, the fish fingers, chicken strips. Well, can I do a stick-shaped carrot? You yeah. know, um or, um, yeah. See, not against. I know I've seen another mum blogger, yes. really into the mum bloggers on Instagram, yes. but so, um, she, her son loves shapes. Yes. And um, yes. so she does little cuts into, into those shapes and, and puts it on a plate where he goes from yep. start to finish. And yep. um, he went from not eating much to yep. following his way and eating. And now, I mean, she's like, I have to cut shapes. Cut to shape. Yeah. And eventually, but he's two, so, and eventually yeah. you'll, you'll be able to grade that out. But yeah. at least he's not going to be 18 and yeah, cutting no. his food into <laughs> yeah, shapes. No, that's it. That's so um, I guess that's something to think about is what their preferences are, but also have a bit of a think about, well, what foods are they eating now anyway? Like are they eating, um, you know, uh, just thinking about they're having oh, like circle, yeah, crackers. Um, maybe you could introduce another type of cracker or if they're having a particular flavour of yogurt, can you have the same flavour but a different brand? Or, yeah. um, you know, just think about what they're having and do a slight variation. So it's the same, same, yeah. different. I'm so sick of saying same, same, but different. I say it all the time. So yeah. now I've come up with a term like a sister food. So think <laughs> yeah, about your sister food, food okay? Yeah, yeah, I like so, that. so something really similar. So if yeah. you're having broccoli, you might think, well, it's another, you know, another, you could link it by doing another green food like a snow pea. Yeah. Um, they're both green or you might do a cauliflower they're both the same shape yeah. so it's sort of not throwing a broccoli piece of broccoli and um a cheerio yeah <laughs> you know com- two completely different foods yeah. um together it's sort of thinking about yeah how can i slowly expand out with yeah. um because i think even with like a like a would say a healthier alternative so buying um a processed chicken nugget for instance yes. and i've seen so many times where parents are like well i make them homemade but yes. the texture of a piece of chicken with yes. crumbs is so different to oh, the texture of a chicken nugget yep. that you buy in a box and absolutely put in, put in the oven. it's amazing it's so amazing how children's brains work <laughs> their logic is so different to our logic yeah so you know, yeah, you hear that all the time. And you also hear of, well, he eats an apple whole, but if I cut it up... He won't eat he it. He won't eat it. Because to them, that's two different foods to them. Yeah. Cutting an apple into wedges and a whole apple are two different, completely different foods. And I hear it a lot too with, you know, they might have a cooked meal at kindy and the mum will get the same recipe and cook it at home. But I guarantee you, most of the time, they will be like, no, this is this is not my, this yeah. is not my food from daycare. <laughs> this is not the same, yeah. you know, buttered chicken. But, you, but so you're creating associations as well. And yeah. so the environment at home might be different to the yeah. environment. Yeah, 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 and, and exactly. So, yeah, that that's and that's exactly it, and that's what you know. Kids, kids are like they just pick up some of those. Um, some kids don't notice at all, but other kids will kind of pick up on that a little bit. And is that something we should be celebrating then? So they may not be trying it at home, but they're trying it at grandma's, or they're trying, yeah, or they're trying it at kindy. Because it actually still gives us a bit of an idea of well, they've actually had maybe butter chicken at kindy, so that means they've had a bit of white rice. So maybe that helps you kind of think of some foods at home. Maybe they may not have it straight away, but how can we keep? you know, introducing it to them. And I mm-hmm. guess that's probably something as well um, to really highlight is that um, a lot of children when they're first introduced something will be like, you'll hear that, yeah, it's disgusting. I hear it every day when I work with kids. It's like, ew, I'm not eating that disgusting gross. I mean, the older ones will obviously talk like that. And then you've got your younger, you know, your infants and your, your, your toddlers that might pull the real aversive face. That, Spit it out. Yep, spit it out, pull that oh, that horrific face, like and then we're like, them. "Oh my goodness, look at your you know." And then we we you know we might react to like, "Oh no!" And then I guess what we've got to think about is 
for those um for those babies that they see our reaction and then like oh no mum says or that adult says shows me that that's not safe so I'm not going to go near that but yeah. I think we've just got to be careful with our reactions so with with our babies you know we kind of keep the poker face oh it's okay yeah <laughs> you, know? you got it oh you that got was this. a big taste yeah, yeah you got this um and then for our older kids it's more so rephrasing the ew that's gross disgusting um it's more being like oh you know what no you know or they're saying oh I don't like it. it's like no you know um, yeah, instead of saying that, you could be like, um, yeah, oh, it's just a big flavor. A big flavor or that, yeah, big taste or, you know, oh, that was a bit sticky, that one. So trying to give them some of that language to phrase it rather than being like, I don't like that, that's disgusting. So yeah. it's kind of like, yeah. Um, so parents can be encouraged to talk to their kids about the experience of yeah, eating, not yes. just going, yes. yuck, it's disgusting, and then them saying, okay, well, no, you're never going to eat it. We'll, yeah. we'll ditch that one. Yeah, and that's, and that's, and that's the thing, like, you know, um, a lot of children don't actually know whether they like it or not. So I think um, don't give up on the food. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if they, if she, um, the little baby, you know, throws the zucchini off the, off the high chair, you know, keep introducing that zucchini another sort of 10 to 15 times because it often takes 10 to 15 times for children to sort of, um, before they might even taste it. And adults, because you and told adults. me I still haven't eaten olives. <gasps> you oh, said. you remember you that? You told me, yes. you're like, how many times have you eaten it? I'm like, once, and it was disgusting. And you said, okay, it was a strong flavour. So you, 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 <laughs> reframed my language it took, it took and I reckon now and after I've done all this sort of training I think, look back and I think yes it was like 12 times I reckon I had that olive yeah. before I actually liked it yeah. so you know I first started by having a bit of a smell a bit of a yeah. leak then the next time I might have had you know a tiny little nibble of it and then I put it with a salad and I was like oh it's not so bad and yeah. over time I actually have grown to like it Do you know so. what though I thought about you today because I had a meal for one at lunch yes. and it was a like a pasta bake and it it was a Mediterranean pasta bake, so yes. it had olives in it. Had I known, I wouldn't have bought it, oh. but I just, I ate it. Because I so thought, friends. yeah, I thought about I'm you so coming friends. on the podcast and I was like, oh my God, I haven't tried it 15 times yet, <laughs> but I wouldn't, <laughs> like the, the smell of olives, the look of them, I just, like, yeah. like I yeah. can see why kids yeah. are averse to some foods and, exactly. and, and when they first look at them and I've avoided it, which obviously isn't the best strategy, but now... Yeah. Today yeah. I took a step forward. I'm so proud. And I had olives and it was fine. It was it was completely fine. There's, there's and I survived. Well done. And it was delicious. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm definitely don't think I'm on the spectrum of putting a whole olive in my mouth solo but, yet. Yeah, but, one step closer. Yeah, but I think that's what yeah. you're saying, right? You can't yeah. leap from. No, you can't. Um, giving them a completely new food that's no. not related to anything no. they've ever eaten before. Yeah. Yep. And like olives as the example are not like anything else that I eat. No. And they're a very unique kind of food. They are. They are. But Especially strong yeah, flavors. You strong can even flavors. probably add maybe another five to ten on top of that. They're a really strong flavor, you know. So yeah. I think, yeah, definitely, you know, keep introducing those foods. Um, and, yeah, and So you're saying them them. you're offering but you're not forcing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think the other thing as well. So we talked about yep. So choosing something really similar, um, and then keep introducing it to them. Um, and if they're saying the, that language of like negative language, just redirecting them and showing them language that they they can use. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is um, for our children, you know, to, to learn about foods, they they don't understand. Oh, I you know you eat this to get your vitamins. They don't understand that cognitive level. Mm. Um, so this is why for children they learn through play. Mm-hmm. Um, and they learn through um, you know using their senses and that kind of thing. Um, and so I guess. It's not, you know, just throwing the food off a high chair. That I mean, that's just that's not really with a purpose. It's, mm. it's playing with the food with a purpose. So allowing them to actually, 
you know, scrunch up the fruit, get their hands messy, mm. um, you know, because what that's doing, it's helping them prepare to know what that food might be like in my mouth. So mm. um, it can really help to um, help them to kind of build that relationship with the food by mm. actually using their senses to learn about the food. So so it's not just taste. It's not just mm. taste. That's no. not something I thought of either. Yeah. So actually allowing, so by them feeling it, yep, they might, you know, um, you might squish the the pee in your finger and mm. okay it's kind of popped okay i get a bit of an idea now what's going to happen when i chew it or um and then you know smelling the food um then you can do like um you know when you say taste um t- there's a there's a spectrum of taste so um sometimes you can taste foods when they're outside of your mouth so things like licking the food so yep. it's actually not in your mouth again if you put it in your mouth is implying eating it yeah um so, that's, so you're not for you're not you're yeah. not pushing them to do that so allowing them to kind of explore in those ways yeah um and, but children aren't going to know how to do that. So this is where the other big one yep. is modelling. Modelling is, with any area of child development, yep. obviously modelling is such an important thing and it applies to food as well. Monkey so, see, monkey do. Monkey see, monkey do. Um, so that's where, you know, if you have that new food, um, you know, try and not say, don't, don't try to not say... Um, eat it you yeah. know we want to not use the word eat we will just say look we're going to learn about it and look oh, look mummies um you know having you know you might be smelling it or you might kiss it or yeah. lick it. it really and this is where it depends on the age so i don't really want to, i want to be probably a bit more general <laughs> so i don't want to give you <laughs> not this. doing that with a 10 year old yeah no that's it that's yeah. it so um this is where it, you know probably i'm also talking about those younger kids um you could do those things with and older kids you can use a bit of play but this is probably going into a little bit too too much detail i guess more so just want to say you don't have to you can model eating it which is great but also it's really important with those new, new foods if they're hesitant to model some other actions like giving it a smell or a lick or a kiss or a um you know yeah and, and allowing them even to have a little spit cup where yeah. they get a chance to spit it out because what happens when you um get that opportunity is children are more likely going to put it in their mouth if they know they can spit it out mm. where if they don't have that option yeah they're not going to i can guarantee almost they're not going to put it in their mouth the yeah. barrier is going to go up but yeah. if they know that they don't have to eat it all of a sudden, then, if they're putting in their mouth to do what we call a bit of a rocket shit, where yeah. you, you, you spit it and it blasts into the cup, um, that is all of a sudden giving them this taste in their mouth. And, and it's and, fun. And, yeah, and it's fun. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably the other thing is just, yeah, making, yeah, allowing them to have that sort of messy play, get the food all over them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, you, you probably, you younger ones, you infants and, and that, um, you know, may not be so appropriate for your ten-year-old to get completely head to toe <laughs> yeah. in, in your um, in bolognese in sauce. sauce. Um, but you know, again, it's just a really nice way for kids to experience the food in a positive way, and and it builds up their their tolerance to the food. Yeah. And, so you yeah. want them touching food. You want them in the kitchen around food. You want them yes. to help preparing food yes. um, yep. as much as they can be involved. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So, yeah, they can help you at the grocery store. Yep. I mean, if they're, they're being a, a bit of a part of the, the process to, to prepare foods, um, they might be more willing to actually give it a go because they mm. have a sense of, you know, pride that I was involved. That they made so it. Yeah. They made it. Nice. And, again, it doesn't work for all children, but generally for theaters, um, if they've been around it, because if you think about preparing, you're doing all that. You're allowing them to get their senses mm. heightened. So you're allowing them to sort of feel the food and they're smelling it in that process. Mm. You know, they might have a bit of a... A nibble. <laughs> a bit of a, a nibble. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they might, you know, in that process. Yeah. Because, again, what, 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 what are you... You're not providing many incidental pressure. You're preparing the food. It's not mm. mealtime yet so yeah so this is when you often see some nice things happening because there's no pressure at all and they get a chance to kind of have a bit of a 
a real chance to explore. Yeah. So my fussy adult eater husband should get more involved in the kitchen at meal time. Do you hear that, Jay? (laughs) If you're listening, um, one, you've got to start modeling. Yes, that's (laughs) right. So get that broccoli, give it a lick. Yeah, give it a lick. Give it a kiss. I think he's going to really expand his diet. Yeah. When Lenny moves to solids, I think he's going to be um... (laughs) Take note. Take note. I won't have to do any more hiding or incidental pressure. I will pull back. Um, Well, that's awesome. They're really fantastic tips, and I think parents are going to um, walk away with some really handy information today after all of that information that you've given. Um, I think just to finish, if there are parents out there that are listening and they think, you know what, this is this has become problematic and, you know, my child's losing weight or, um, like you said before, they've got less than 20 foods or they're every day it seems like you're repeating the same foods over and over again. Um, where would be the first place to go for those parents if they wanted some support with that? And um, Probably the, the best place would be your GP or your, um, your local GP or your child health nurse um, and they would be able to support you, know the local area with what services would be available um, and sort of point you in the right direction and um, and they'd be able to provide you some of that interim um, support with the yeah. meal times. Yeah, um, awesome. So GP, child health nurse, yes. a, a yes. great place to start. Yes. And if they're looking for resources just to get some more information yeah. um, or if they prefer to read a bit yes. more into it, where yeah. should they go? So um, I really recommend the Raising Children's website. So yeah. raisingchildren.net.au. Um, they are just a really good, legitimate source um, of some great information yeah. and some really, and it goes into tips way more than, than I did now. Um, great. So they can many, expand on some yeah, of the stuff. Expand that on some of that yeah. stuff. Awesome. Um, and I guess something to keep, to keep in mind too, so a lot of the stuff I'm talking about um, has actually come from um, some training that I've done called the SOS approach to feeding. And so it's um, a whole, um, you know, a huge, big approach to, to feeding. And so I guess if they go to any therapist um, that they, if they go even privately to therapists it, it'd be good to find out you know are there other therapists that sort of specialize in feeding because it does require sometimes a bit of extra training yep. so i think that would be a good place to um and as you said you've learnt a lot just with your own feeding and eating oh, yeah. with doing that training so oh, absolutely um, so insightful yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. great so i'll um link that with our podcast on instagram so that um parents have some of that information yes. to go to the raising children's network yeah. um website Now, something that I'm introducing today, Ash, away from what you've talked about, and again, thank you so much. I've learned so much already, and I feel like I'm geared to tackle that time when it comes um <laughs> thankfully it's just breast milk at the moment and that's easy and as you oh, can you'll see you'll be able to get, have so much fun yeah you'll be able to have lots of yeah lots, yeah, of, lots messy of play, play lots yeah. of messy play for yeah. Lenny when she's um... that's right so I feel like I've, 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 I'm geared with the knowledge now yeah um but I'm going to do quick fire questions yeah um just so that our listeners get more on a personal level with um, our guests that come on the show. So we're going to do 30 questions. I'm going to quick fire question, um, 30 seconds, sorry, and I'm going to quick fire some questions at okay. you to finish. Right. Um, just the first on. thing that comes to your mind, okay? All right, so oh, we're ready? I was going to say right now. Yeah. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, that wasn't the start. Okay, that's not the question. Yeah, no, that's not the question. So when I ask, first thing that comes to okay. mind, don't think about it too All much. Right. All right, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. I won't ask you what what comes to your mind. All right. Okay. All right, here we go. So if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Paris. All right. What is your biggest fear? Oh, cockroaches. Oh, yuck. Okay. Um, <laughs> what makes you really happy? 
Oh, traveling, yeah. 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 I think you forgot your dog that you haven't stopped talking about. Oh, my goodness. About. I know. Empty. Poor Empty. I'm going to be leaving to <laughs> travel and I can't, I can't do that. No. Um, what's your favorite thing about your job? Oh, just that, yeah. Just, just helping people and, yeah. Being able to help being kids. Being able to yeah. help kids and bring out the best in them and, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what makes you laugh the most? Oh, gosh. That's so like, my awkwardness. Yeah. <laughs> no, you laugh at yourself. <laughs> Should you say your husband? Or... Yeah, look, he's pretty funny, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, what did you want to do or what did you want to be when you were a child growing up? Uh, I wanted to be a teacher. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and if you could choose to do anything for a day now, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Just... um. Just chill out. Yeah, do nothing. <laughs> do, do nothing for a day. No, yeah. that is a good question, actually. It would have to revolve around food. Yeah. Isn't that so funny? Yeah. There you go. I do love food. I have to <laughs> say, I really love food. Well, there you go. Maybe so that's eating. a good one to finish that was on. That's a good one to finish yeah. on. There you go. So, incidentally, that. that's come up that Ash, <laughs> if she had a day to herself where there was no pressure to do anything, she would just eat constantly. <laughs> Again, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. That's all right. <laughs> Well, thank you, Ash, so much for joining us today on the podcast. Um, As she said, if you need any further information about fussy eating and mealtimes, head over to the Raising Children's Network um, or go pop into your GP or local child health nurse and ask them questions. Um, If you feel like you've enjoyed today's podcast or you have any further questions, feel free to send us um, a direct message on Instagram um, and we can try and help you get that information as best we can. Um, But thanks so much for listening and remember wholesome living is happy living. Peace.